I love you. I am here to say. I love you. To say. I adore you. I am here to say. I am here to say. I love you. I love to love you, Lord. I Love. 
Father, we thank you for this morning. We lift your name on I accept our thanks in Jesus' name. Father, this morning speak to us. Amen. Father, touch us. Amen. Let none that come in here today live the same. Amen. Let your name alone be glorified. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Amen. We love you, Lord. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's have our seats. You are welcome to his presence. I want to enjoin you. If you are present in today's service, make sure you pay attention. Don't leave here the way you came. God is willing. But are you willing? Can you ask somebody, are you willing? So God is willing. God is here to do something for you. But you can only receive it if you are willing to receive it. You will not live here the way you came in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians chapter 4 verse 19. Galatians 4 19. We've been looking at that passage for the past three weeks. Galatians 4 19. Galatians 4 19. Galatians 4 19. My little children. Of whom I travel in birth again, until Christ be formed in you, my little children. Please change the Bible version, King James. I don't use New King James. Change it to King James, please. Of whom I travel in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. That's very important. And what is the topic we have been looking at? Christ in you. Christ in you. And we said there are, is it four or five things that we say Christ in you enables, I mean, thus in you as an individual. We said, number one, Christ in you gives you grace. Christ in you enriches you in utterance and knowledge. Christ in you gives you gifts. Christ in you gives you life. And Christ in you makes you a testimony. Amen. You will be a testimony in Jesus' name. I said, you'll be a testimony in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we began to look at the stages in, uh, I mean, in your growth or in your Christian race or in your Christian life. And we talked of babe in, babes in Christ. We said babes in Christ, they are marked by what was the key thing by which babes in Christ are marked? Carnality. Carnality. Envy. Strife. Disagreement. Disunity. They've given their lives to Christ, so they are not unbelievers. But we must grow beyond the minimum. Tell somebody, grow. grow. Beyond the minimum. Yeah. I mean, we thank God today we are going to be having two baby dedications. Hallelujah. Somebody is not excited. <laughs> so, it's the goodness of God when a baby comes into the world. Is that not so? Yeah. It's the joy of the father. Is the joy of the mother. Is the joy of the church. You know God is wonderful. Yes, On Wednesday he gave us another bouncing baby boy. Hallelujah. Somebody clap for Jesus. God has been good to us. And you're going to be good to us. And to you in Jesus name. Amen. But the children that were born. That God gave us last year. At this moment. What are they doing? They are running around the church. So the joy of the parent is when the parent sees the, 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 the child doing what? Growing. Growing in all ramifications. That's what the Lord wants for you too. 
There are babes in Christ. Then we have those who are growing. And today, we have a lot of things uh, in our place. But we're going to be discussing very briefly those that are the third level. They are called instructors in Christ. What did I say? Who is an instructor? What's another word for instructor? A teacher. Instruct. So, as a babe in Christ, you begin to grow. You begin to grow. You get to a point that you become what? An instructor in Christ. Tell somebody, I have a long way to go. If somebody does not mean it. Say, I have a long way to go. Because whereas some of us are by today expected to be what? Instructors in Christ. We are still what? We are not even growing. We are still babes in Christ. Yet we can tell the history of the Anglican church in our community. Yes. Because you gave our lives to, our lives to Christ maybe uh, at the age of 12, at the age of 11, whatever it is. But we have refused to grow. And by refusing to grow in the Lord, we are not making God happy. Tell somebody, stop making God unhappy. Don't be afraid. Tell your neighbor, stop making God unhappy. He desires that we grow. He desires that at some point in time you become an instructor. Someone who is teaching the world. Who is analyzing the world. That's very important. When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I mean chapter 4, verses 15 to 16, Paul highlights the difference between two groups of people. We are looking at just one of them today. He said, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. In other words, instructors in Christ, and then we have what? Fathers in Christ. We are not talking about the fathers today. We are talking about what? The instructors. Who is an instructor? You know, when you go to Romans chapter 2, verse 18 to verse 20, the Bible tells us a little bit about who an instructor is. Romans chapter 2, verse 18. He said, and knowest his will, and approves the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, verse 19. And at confidence, that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, verse 20. An instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Very important. So you see, when we say you are a teacher, when we say you are an instructor, you have moved beyond the rudiments. You have moved beyond the foundation. You have gone into the level of, le level of teaching others. Now from that passage that we have read, I'm not sure we're going to finish it, but the Bible tells us a few things about an instructor. Number one, an instructor is a teacher. An instructor is what? A teacher. And brethren, the Bible makes me to understand that a teacher is a gift. What did I just say? A teacher is a gift. So as a teacher, you are a gift to the body of Christ. As a teacher, you see, in Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 11 to verse 15, we're not going to read it. But the Bible makes us to understand that as a teacher, you are, you are given to the body that others may grow. The others may do what? See, if you did not grow, if you have not grown, how can you make others to grow? 
You cannot give what you don't have. The teacher is expected and is supposed to know more than the student. True or false? Because out of the abundance of that which is in you, then you can give out. Then when the student is confused, the student can come to you and say, I don't understand it. And then you can try to explain it. It doesn't mean that because you are a teacher, you are perfect. Is anybody here who is perfect? So being a teacher doesn't mean that you are perfect. It means you know. This much I know. The ones I don't know, I don't remember. Let's go to the scriptures. Or let's go to the pastor. Or the pastor may say, ah, I don't really understand that after you just brought out. But you see, at whatever level you are in the faith, there's always somebody who is what? Who is a level higher than you? That's the truth. Because when you get to the point where you know everything, you, are, you realize you know nothing. Because pride has come in. And the Bible says, God does what to the proud. He resists the proud. We are talking about teachers of the law. You cannot teach the law of a God that resists you. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. So the instructor is a teacher. That's number one. Number two, the instructor is one who knows the will of God. One who does what? Who knows the will of God? That's very important. When you go to Romans chapter 12, we're going to read this one. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now look at verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that word? Good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So, three types of the will of God are mentioned in that passage. What are, what's number one? Number two? Number three? It's spelled there. So, there are some things you want to do, and you know it. You know what the Lord is saying unto you. Don't do it that way. You want to meet him halfway through. Brethren, half obedience is what? It's no obedience. It's disobedience. Tell somebody, don't be disobedient. The Bible says, that you may know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Bible makes us to understand. It said, as he which has called you is what? Is holy. Be ye what? Holy. In what? All manner of conversation. Then when you go to Matthew 5, 14, it says, Be ye therefore perfect. As your Father which is in heaven is what? We are called unto perfection. There is a grace that enables you to be perfect. But if your own stand is to say, it's not possible to be perfect, then you are not ready for that grace. There is a grace that will enable you to live the type of life that God wants for you. So a teacher is one who knows the will of God. Number three, a teacher is one who knows the word of God. One who knows what? You know, we've been emphasizing it from day one. The babe in Christ must grow. The babe in Christ cannot grow outside the scope of the word of God. The Bible says we must grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3, 18. That passage is very important. Now look at 1 Corinthians 15 verse 34. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 34. 
First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34. It says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. I mean, that tells you outrightly that until you awake to righteousness, you continue to do what? You continue to sin. Until you awake to righteousness, you continue to toy with sin. Until you, are reali you realize that there is a standard called the standard of what? Holiness. You will not, you will continue to toy with sin and say God understands. He said, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. In other words, lack of the knowledge of God brings what? It brings shame. You will not be put to shame in Jesus' name. Now, no, the knowledge of God does not fall from a tree. The knowledge of God does not fall from a prophet. I remember, I think I've shared this with us before. I went to preach in one of our churches. And a sister came and met me after the service and said, are you a prophet? I said, no. She said, oh, then you cannot help me. Yes. Uh, this is not a story. It's me. She came and met me. I mean, it, they had a prayer retreat for three days. I think I started on Friday, Saturday, and we ended up on Sunday. It was after the ministration on Saturday that this lady came and met me and said, are you a prophet? I said, I'm not a prophet. And she told me, yeah, you cannot help me. God, God will help you. That's where many of us are led astray. You want somebody that will look at you and begin to talk and say, I see a tree behind you. I see a tree behind your house. I see this. I see that. What he sees, what he does not see, he will call into your life. God will deliver you in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible is there for us. You cannot, see, he said, some of you don't have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. You cannot have the knowledge of God if the word of God is alien to you. If your Bible is only for decoration in your house. And these days that we have Bible on, on, on the tablet, on the phone and all that. Some of us, we are so used to our Bibles on the phone that we don't even know how to operate it. Is that not so? It's there so that when you know you are looking at Yahoo, or what do they call that one? Or Facebook or Instagram. Which was the newest one? TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> you know you are looking at TikTok while you are in church. And it's, ah, ah, what are you doing? My Bible is on my phone. But you know that the phone you are holding, it is not Bible you are reading. It is what? It is TikTok. Yes, sir. Or Instagram. No, that is true. Instagram, Facebook, and all of them. Or even WhatsApp. It's the time you are in church that you start looking at those things on your phone. Brethren, the Lord is in our midst this morning. If you key in, you will not go empty-handed. If you key in, you will remember this day for good. Amen. But you know what? Unfortunately, many of us, we are in today's service and our minds are not here. Some of you do not have the knowledge of God. That's what the, uh, Paul said there, talking to the Corinthians. He said, I speak this to your shame. Shame will not be your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. So a teacher is one who knows the word of God. Next, a teacher is one who approves of things that are more excellent. Things that are what? You know, I believe in school they say when you are excellent, is there anything, when, when they grade students, when somebody is excellent, is there anything more than excellent? Excellent is excellent. Is that not so? But the Bible is telling us 
that a teacher of approves of things that are what? More than excellent. So you have good, you have very good, you have excellent, which is 100%. But then we are talking about more than excellent. So you've gone beyond what? 100%. That's where a teacher is. That's what God wants us to be. That's very important. And the word of God is the basis of that judgment or assessment. And then when you look at Philippians chapter 1, from verse 9 to verse 11, Philippians 1, 9 to 11, the Bible makes us understand that how do we talk about this excellence, more than excellence and all that? Love and the fruit of righteousness is the only way to prove it. How do you prove it? And what? Love and the fruit of righteousness. You see, now we are not talking about theory. This is not book work. Because, I mean, I've said this over and over again. When we are talking about love in the things of God, we are not talking about just saying, I love you. He loves me. Because some things that we say, we don't mean. But the love of God is one that is real. The Bible says God so loved the world that he did what? He came. That is it. It's love in action. It's love in action. It's love in action. Next, the Bible tells us that the teacher is a guide to the blind. The teacher is what? You know, the Bible says, he that hath an ear, let him do what? Let him hear. Do you know many people have eyes but they don't see? And in order for them to see, they need a guide. That's why many at times you pick the Bible and it just not it doesn't come alive to you. Because you have eyes but you do not see. The, the, the type of sight you need is what is called spiritual eyes. A teacher is a guide to the blind. In Acts chapter 8, verse 31, Acts 8, 31, we read the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. He needed somebody to guide him in the world. He was reading the book of Isaiah, he was reading the Bible. But he did not understand it. He needed a guide. There's someone that God has put you across to be a guide to that person. How are you guiding him? How are you guiding her? Are you a good example? Can you ask your neighbor that question? Are you a good example? It's very important. When you see a person that, I mean, is supposed to be the one to lead others to Christ. And when the person you want to lead to Christ is ready for you and say, ah, I want to know your God. He meets you at the very wrong person. That's what the devil does. He makes sure by the time the person comes to you, you are not even prepared. In fact, you cannot even talk. Because of what you have dabbled into. The Lord will have much upon us in Jesus' name. The teacher is a guide to the blind. The next thing, a teacher is a light to those in darkness. A teacher is what? A light to those in darkness. Which means at times you don't need to talk. But your action will do what? Will speak for you. People will look at you and say, "Mm, I think that sister is a Christian. That's a good testimony. Definitely that's a good testimony. People will look at you and say, I think that brother is a child of God. That's very important. A light, a light, a light to those in darkness. That's why Jesus Christ said, you are the light 
of the world. Test one day, I am the light. It's very important. It's very important. A teacher is what? A light to those in dark in the darkness. That's very important. A teacher, the Bible, and all these I'm highlighting are from that Romans chapter two. A teacher is an instructor of the foolish. A teacher is what? You know what the Bible? Who, the Bible says in Psalm fourteen verse one. It says, "The fool has set in his heart that what." So the person who is foolish is the person who has said there is no God. And what does the Bible says? It says they are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. So the reason they are saying there is no God is because they don't want their evil works to be what to be challenged. To be challenged. A teacher is an instructor of the foolish. No wonder the Bible says in Psalm 122, verses 1 and 2, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into where? The house of the Lord. The house of the Lord. The house of the Lord. And of course, finally, who is a teacher? A teacher is one who teaches babes in Christ. Who only have the form of knowledge and truth. That's very important. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. We've talked about it before. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the world, that ye may grow thereby. If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. How many people here know that the Lord is gracious? How many people here know that the Lord is good? Now, if you truly know that God is gracious, God is good, don't be selfish. Tell somebody, don't be selfish. In other words, if God has been good unto you, let others know that what? God is good. God is good. Like we normally say, God is good. How often? Especially to who? Especially to me. God is good to us as a church. That's why we can come together and say we want to dedicate, dedicate babies. That's why on the week, same week that we are dedicating two children, God gave us another boy. Oh, that's why many are on the way. I say many are on the way. I say many are on the way. That is why those that don't have that desire to have, when they step into this sanctuary, God gives them. And I want to pray for somebody. God will give you the desire of your heart. That gift for which you are holding on to God, receive it in Jesus' name. I say receive it in Jesus' name. I say receive it in Jesus' name. When we look at that same Romans 2, 21 to 24, we'll see what I call warning to teachers. Warning to teachers. And this is very important. I'm going to read it. I, we won't be able to go through all of it, but I will just read the passage. Maybe we'll continue from there next week. Warning to teachers. He said, Thou therefore, which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? In other words, teach thyself. Tell somebody, teach thyself. Thou that preachest a man should not steal. Thus thou steal, in other words, stop stealing. Ah, tell your neighbor, tell your, say, stop stealing. 
Eh, you are saying, ah, we are Christians, we are in church, we don't steal. Let me give you a very good example of, of what some of us steal. We steal time. We steal what? And it's not even people's time that you steal. Whose time do you steal? It's God's time. When you have an appointment with God, and God is, God is never late. But many of us are noted for what? I talk now. You know, if you repent, God will forgive you. But if you use bone face, God will say, well, continue. Many of us are noted for what? Lateness. That's our hallmark. If we say the program is 10, we'll come in at 11. And not only are we late, our wristwatch is always not far from us. Because once we sat down for our 30 minutes, we begin to check the time. It's time to go. You've stolen one hour of God's time. Because he was waiting for you. And you used that one hour to do other things. God will have mercy in Jesus' name. I'm going somewhere. Like I said, I'm not going to go through all of it. But there's one thing I want. It says, thou that says a man should not commit adultery. Does thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, does thou commit sacrilege? That's where I'm going. Verse 22. He said, thou that abhorrest idols, does thou commit sacrilege? What is sacrilege? I had to go and check. What is the meaning of that word sacrilege? Sacrilege means using item stolen from pagan temples. Using what? Many of us, and this applies to our sisters. It might apply to our brothers. Maybe I don't know if we are yet. But I think I will, I will start with the sisters. Maybe I will continue with brothers next week. But many of us, I understand there's something called there's Brazilian attachment. Which other one is there again? Oh, yeah, yeah, somebody. There's no Nigerian attachment. My brother, go, go Jared. Uh -huh. Which other one? Uh, Peruvian. Uh -huh. There is Peruvian attachment. The one that they get from Hindu temples, what is it called? Or oh, is it Indian? Good. The Bible talks of sacrilege. It says sacrilege is when you choose things that are taken from pagan temples. The Hindus will go to their temple. By way of making a sacrifice to their God, they will do what? They will shave their head. These are covenant items. Then Sister Mercy will go to the market. I don't know anybody by name Mercy. I just use that name. Sister Mercy will go to the market. And she sees nothing better to buy than what? That Indian hair, which is from Hindu temple. And you put it on your head. Then you say you have a headache. Why won't you have a headache? Yes. Then you say it just looks as if, uh, and then you are talking to your hairdresser. See, from the last time I came up till now, it's been one trouble after the other. I don't want to say, ah, sorry, oh, sorry, oh, my sister. Sorry, oh, my sister. And we'll be compounding your problem. She's not, maybe you are the one that says you want, uh, uh, either it's Indian hair or Peruvian hair, whatever it is, human hair, somebody's hair on your head, dead people's hair on your head. Covenants that somebody has made, you are putting it on your hair. Sacrilege. Sacrilege. Things from idol, I mean, idol temples. We are carrying them around. I know many of us buy used clothes and all that. There's nothing wrong with buying used clothes. Ma? 
Uh -huh. That's what I'm. That's where I'm going. But if you buy used clothes, what should you do? Wash it. <laughs> no matter how much you wash it, if the thing is coming with an idol, you are going nowhere. Cover it with the blood of Jesus. Of course, if Jesus does not know you, when you say I cover this with blood, you know it's you yourself know you are deceiving yourself. You see, brethren, the Christian life is very simple. It's very easy. So long as we are willing to walk with Jesus, tell somebody walk with Jesus. We will continue next week. But as a teacher, or maybe that's the reason many of us have not gotten to that point of being teachers. Because we carry about things that the Bible calls sacrilege. The Lord will have mercy upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's bow down our heads. Why don't you begin to talk to the Lord? Why don't you do a self-examination of your own Christian life? And say, Father, where am I versus where am I supposed to be? And if you see that you are not where you ought to be, talk to him. You are not talking to any man. Talk to him and say, Father, uh, I want to change. I want to improve. I want to do better. I want to do better. Maybe God is talking to you about that attachment on your head. Go and cut it after service. I'm not saying don't put attachment on your head. Though. But if it is human hair of anybody, go and remove it. Go and separate yourself from other people's covenants. Sacrilege. Things that have been sacrificed unto idols. Years that have originated from, from uh, covenants with idols. You are talking to your maker. You are talking to your God. Tell him. These are my shortcomings, Father, but I want to make things right today. Because Christ must be in me that I may grow as a child of God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. But I'm sure you are not born again. This is the opportunity for you to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Take control. Be my Lord and Savior. I repent of my errors. I want to run this race with you. I want Jesus to be truly in me. And if you do so, he will dwell in you. And it's going to be glorified in your life. So shall it be in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I commit everyone here present into your hands. You will uphold your children. You will touch. You will establish. The grace to grow you will grant unto us. The grace for divine perfection you will grant unto us. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We love you, Lord. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to go straight to the uh, dedication, baby dedication, so that we, uh, we have a lot of things, uh, so that we can uh, take care of our time. We have two baby dedications this morning. The dedication of our, uh, the son of brother and sister Elvis in Katie, and uh, brother and sister Daniels. So please, the choir will give us a song and we'll come, we'll bring the uh, babies forward so that we'll do the dedication and then we'll continue with the service. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. You are in church today, you are going to receive double blessings in Jesus' name. You are in church today, you will receive double honor in Jesus' name. So choir give us a song as uh, the babies are brought to the front.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's no one, there's no one like Jesus. There's no one, there's no one like him. There's no one, there's no one like Jesus. There will never be any like him. There's no one. There's no one. There's no one like Jesus. We are doing every dedication at the moment. There's no one like him. There's no one. There's no one like Jesus. There will never be any like him. I walk Verse 3. It says, Lo, children and heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Children are what? So, these children, like we were discussing during this message, we said teachers are a gift. These children, they are what? 
They are a gift from the Lord. But they are not gifts that God will give and he hands off. And say, do whatever you can with them. They are gifts for which you will give account. I hope you realize that, my brother. You will give account for this young man. And you will give account for the younger ones that are coming. Oh, I mean, we are, we are still expecting the twins. Uh, they are coming in Jesus' name. You will give account for this young man. And not only him, for his brothers. It's very important. I know if I talk of the next one, you will start hiding your face. Eh? <laughs> Every child that God has given unto us, brethren, they are what? Stewardships. They are stewardships. Until the child that the baby leaves the house and begins to live by himself, the foundation you have given the child matters a lot. I've met many people when we go out in evangelism that they will say, um, you know, when we were young, my, my mother used to take us to church. And once they left the house, what happened? They never went back to church. But the foundation was given unto them that they departed from that foundation is no longer the fault of their parents. That's the responsibility you have. Now, your responsibility is not just to take them to church. We are talking about a spiritual foundation. The spiritual foundation is such that when the child departs from the house, the Bible says he will do what? He will not, he will not depart. He will not say, I'm out of the house. I mean, uh, just at uh, that Christianity thing, I don't know about it. No. You know, many of us, the reason our children don't follow the God that we serve is we are, we are serving God with our mouth, but our heart is not there. The very good example many of us know. You are in the house, the phone rings. Your son picks the phone. And say, oh, hi. Oh, it's all right. This is Daniel. Tell your parents they are fine. Is your daddy at home? And the boy say, put it in silence. Say, daddy, they say, are you at home? Tell them I'm not there. <laughs> and the boy says, oh, sorry, ma'am. My daddy is not at home. We are laying the wrong foundation for the baby. When the baby grows up, we will now say, don't mind daddy and mommy. They go to church every Sunday. But they teach us how to do what? How to lie at home. I don't like that their own version of Christianity. <laughs> don't be, the, you know many people will go to hell because of their children. Do you realize that? Many people, either you believe it or not, there is heaven, there is hell. You will make heaven in Jesus' name. Amen. You will not go to hell in Jesus' name. If you have children, make sure you lay the right foundation for them. Otherwise, you will be held accountable for how you brought up those children. Many of us, we have very good uh, occasions that come up. Those are the days we will not come to church. Oh, there's this occasion, there's that occasion, this and that. You take the, you take the children out of the church. Even when they have responsibility. God is reckoning. God is doing what? And there's something called the day of reckoning. When the day of reckoning comes, your portion will not be blamed. Amen. I say your portion will not be blamed. Amen. You will not receive the portion of blame in Jesus' name. Amen. Brethren, if Christ tarries, I'm looking forward to one day, I'm talking of me now, one day getting to heaven and meeting my dad. When I say my dad, I mean my father, the one that gave back to me. Because I know. Where is he? It, it is not sentiment. If we have time, I will sit down and tell you stories of my father. And I thank God. 
I know that the work he did is not in vain. And I hope that one day, if Christ tarries, if I have to leave, that if my son starts telling his story, he will say, I'm looking forward to doing what? To see my father. That is the heritage that God desires. Especially in this godless society that we are in. How do you know this society is very godless? Everything about God, they push aside. Even though they say it's a Christian society. It's not a Christian society by name only. But you have a responsibility. You are the ones that will decide that when this child grows up, he will say what? I am a Christian. I am a born again child of God. I've made my choice for God. And there's no going back. What will be your testimony? The only testimony that will stand as far as children are concerned is what they become when you are sold them. You will not fail in Jesus' name. You will not fail God in Jesus' name. God will find you faithful in Jesus' name. I'll bring Daniel. Don't cry. Good boy. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you. We lift your name on high. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Father, we dedicate Daniel Bonnie, the son of Inkechi, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You will not fall. Amen. You will not fail. Amen. In life, you will arise. Amen. The plan of God for you be to be the first and not the tail will stand. Amen. In the things of God, you will not be found wanting. Amen. The plan of all concerning you is modified in the name of Jesus. Amen. The plan of Jesus concerning you shall stand in the name of Jesus. Amen. You will not be sick. Amen. You will not be sick. You will not be sick. Amen. You will fulfill destiny. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Your name, Daniel and Katie, will be written in the book of life. Amen. Indelibly. Amen. Never to be removed. Amen. Among the generals of God to this generation, you will not be found wanting. Amen. Among those that God is given special assignment for, for such a time, you will not be found wanting. Amen. Your destiny will not be tampered with. Your glory will shine. Amen. So shall it be. Amen. In the name of the Father. Amen. In the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you. We lift your name on high. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. We commit into your hands Gideon Oluwatomisi, the son of Daniel. Father, we dedicate him unto you today in the name of the Father Amen. and of the Son Amen. and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We say, Gideon, you will not fall. Amen. You will not fail. You will be rooted in the Lord. Amen. Your place in his banner will not be found wanting. Amen. In life you will excel. Amen. In life you will shine. Amen. 
you will be a shining star for the living God. Amongst the shakers and movers of this land, you will not be found wanting. God will lift you up. God will lift you up. God will lift you up. You will fulfill destiny. Whatever be the limitations upon the generations of your parents, it, they will not limit you in the name of Jesus. Every plan of the enemy concerning you is hereby nullified in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, He that did get a pitch shall fall into it, and a serpent shall bite him that breaks through a wall. Every plan of the enemy concerning your life is nullified in the name of Jesus. You will be a shining star. Your name will be written in the book of life. Indelibly. Never to be removed in the name of Jesus. Your parents will be proud of you. Your siblings will be proud of you. So shall it be in Jesus' name.